0: You're listening to the Fit, Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between running and positive mental health. We do this by talking to runners from all walks of life who generously share their experiences with us. So you don't miss an episode, I've created an email list for you to join. Check the show notes for more details. Without further ado, I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Today on Fit Mind Fit Body, I have Andrew Davies who's joining us. Hello, Andrew.
1: Hey, Michelle. Glad to talk to you about running and particularly the mindful side of it. I think that'll be great. Looking forward to it. Yay.
0: Thank you for jumping on. As I said to you before, it is you know, it's a, it's a big thing really to to jump onto somebody else's podcast and, and have a chat about the thing that you love, although to me it feels a bit like we're just sitting in a cafe having a chat.
1: Well, I think it's easy to jump on when you've had a few listens to, to that That's podcast true. already. And so since my friend Cheryl Martin, who you interviewed, I don't know, what, eight to ten episodes ago uh, yep. came on, she told me about your, your show and I've been listening and I've enjoyed it, hearing the stories of oh, other I runners. So I think, yeah, I'd happy to talk about running and listen to other people talking about their running anytime.
0: I love it. I might have to cut that little bit out and we can use it as a testimonial for the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Let's start with a bit of your background, Andrew. Tell me, where did you grow up?
1: I've, I grew up in Melbourne. I live in Melbourne now. I, in fact, to be honest, I've hardly spent much time outside of Melbourne. Oh, wow. uh, in, in, in a city, normal sort of upbringing, good family. And now I'm working in medicine uh, yeah. in 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 Melbourne. I work in a hospital, and I think you know it. It's a great place to live. Melbourne, great place for running. Anyone yeah. who hasn't run in Melbourne, we've got some great trails around here, great tracks and you know routes for running all around the inner city and outside of the city. So I love I love my town. Actually, I was born there, so I Were quite you? like Melbourne.
0: Yeah, apart <laughs> from I grew up on King Island, but um my family came from Melbourne to go to King Island. And then uh, my mum went away, had me in Melbourne and then came back to King Island. <laughs> so, But um, yeah, so Victoria and particularly Melbourne feels like our, you know, our family city. And then we all live in Tassie now though, but yeah, I love Melbourne too. And I agree running in Melbourne is really awesome. The paths and stuff there are fantastic. I just love it.
1: And, and like Tassie, we've got a good climate for it too. You do. It's not, You know, of course it gets hot in summer, but in winter, you can always run. You know, it might be cool and you might have to put a second layer on, but you can always run and rain comes and goes, but that's, that's not the end of the world. So I quite like it. Uh, I think there are other cities around the world where you can't run in winter because it's too cold and, and sometimes in humid conditions, you just can't run. So we don't have that. And that's why I'm glad about Melbourne. Yeah.
0: Even um, two of my daughters live there as well now. One in um, Glen Ferry, I think, and the other one in Port Melbourne. And yeah, mm-hmm. so we I get to visit a lot too now because <laughs> so my girls are there. Um, okay. Let's go back a little bit. What was, you said you had a, you know, a, a great upbringing, you, you know, sort of normal suburban upbringing in Melbourne. Do you have siblings?
1: I do. I do. I was the oldest of three. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know what to say about them straight away. <laughs> They're not runners. No. <laughs> but I don't know. We we get we still in touch. We you know we're yeah. close brother and sisters, uh, and and we hang out every now and then around family events. Usually, you know our our children's birthdays and things like that. Of course. But yeah. um, yeah, no, I I enjoyed a good family life. No doubt about that.
0: And what did you guys used to do for fun on the weekends and after school? Yeah,
1: that's 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 a good question. I. I can't really remember that those Isn't days it? very much I I was pretty studious at school yeah. uh I was you know I was connected in in sport and in music and I probably did more of that sort of angle okay. of things when I, when I was growing up, we did, we did have some great holiday time together. Yeah. We used to go to, uh, to holiday houses in, in various locations, grandparents' houses. And, and we also had a, a farm at one stage. My dad ran a sort of hobby farm oh, at wow. one stage, which we used to go to and have, some, have lots of fun on those sort of, sort of places. But I'm trying to think outside of going away together, it was just a normal life where yep. you have your own mates and your own, own activities and, and join together for dinner with your, with your family.
0: Uh, what kind of sport did you do when you were a, a child and at
1: school? I, I've got to say I'm a bit of a sportaholic. I I love watching and and participating in sports if I can. But I was never any good at any of them, unfortunately. Oh. I loved A Australian Rules football. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, I mean in my in my era I'm late fifties now, Michelle, and so really? in my era the, the, <laughs> the, like the average boy. <laughs> Oh well, thanks for that. The average boy though in the 1970s and 80s when I was growing up pretty well always played football or cricket okay. and that was that that was the sport. So I yeah. I did those two and I was okay. I enjoyed them, but I, I wasn't that good at, at either of them. And uh, I I also did have a heart condition that made some of that tough. I had this um condition called paroxysmal supraventricular tachycardia, a big medical term for saying that I would have these attacks of of palpitations, rapid heartbeat, that would mean that I would get so fast with my heart that I'd sometimes get dizzy. And so football particularly was hard because if I get an attack of that SVT while I was playing footy, I'd usually need to sort of back off and go away from the play because Mm. I might I might collapse or go dizzy, so I'd usually run down to the forward pocket or the back pocket. For anyone who knows football, away from the play, and mm-hmm. the coach would see me and say, "Davies, get him off. Uh, you know, he's he's not trying." And so I, that didn't that didn't let me uh, progress very well in football either. I the, the, the disease I had, I never, t- I didn't want to tell anybody about it. I was so ashamed, or just you know nervous to tell people that i had this medical condition that that i'd often wouldn't tell them that the attacks would go away sometimes after 15 20 minutes and then oh, i'd be wow. be good again but i i didn't tell tell people about it but the the reason for telling you that is that i always love running but another thing that was really troubling to me that i was told by my my doctors that i shouldn't run long distances that because ex- if exertion. i had one of these attacks yeah ex- under exertion i would get one of these attacks and i might collapse and they even said you might die. I don't know that oh, I would wow. have died, but I might have collapsed and you know needed to be resuscitated or, yeah. or or something. So so I was really I used to struggle with that because I was quite a good uh, sprinter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually I actually wasn't too bad at hurdles in in when I was really young. That yeah. they were so short the hurdles that I could easily leap up, leap over them. <laughs> and I wasn't I wasn't the best, but I was okay at doing that. As as we got taller, sorry, as we got older, the hurdles went up in yeah. height. And I didn't. So no. I wasn't as good with early as, as I got older, but but I, I quite liked sprinting and kept doing that. But I wasn't allowed to do the cross country, for example, at school. And mum would have to write a letter, dear, dear oh. teacher, Andrew's not allowed to do the cross country because of his heart condition. And it used to frustrate me so much because that was just like what everybody, you know, everybody in the whole year would do the cross country, and poor old Andrew would have to go and sit in the library and uh, read books while all his mates were out running. And so I had a bit of a love hate relationship with running at that stage. And so uh, I, I eventually that that condition was treated. I had surgery when I was eighteen, the oh, wow. year after I left school, and it's been fixed and it's never come back. And so that's that big probably surgery? when. Sorry. Yeah, it was yeah. back. Back in those days, yeah. they had to do uh, open heart surgery, basically split my breastbone mm. and and open it up and get inside and cut. There was an extra nerve basically in the, in the heart that would lead to a, a sort of electric um cycle that got everything yeah. out of control. Uh, a short circuit is probably what I should say. Yeah. And so that, that meant they had to cut that nerve. They had to find that nerve uh, with lots of studies to, you know, basically they call them electrophysiological studies where they you know pinpoint it good word and then once they got that they would um they cut it out so after that I was fine um but it meant that most of my schooling I wasn't allowed to do long distance running which is far from what I'm doing now because uh, I've I've changed my whole lifestyle around that no doubt um and and just to go on with that I think one of the reasons I, I, I kind of got into running was that after that, I was so sort of annoyed that I hadn't been able to, that the moment the surgery was fixed, there was a surgery was done and my heart was fixed. Um, this, this, this cardiologist and the surgeon said, you better give it six months to see if it works first. But after that, you, you should be able to do whatever you like. So oh. my goal in life after that was to run a marathon, I really? thought I'm going to, I'm going to put my finger up to all those, uh. You know those cardiologists and teachers that wouldn't let me do running at school. I'm yeah. now going to go and run a marathon. It took me a long time to do it, but that's where my my sort of desire to get into more long distance running began with wow. that with that situation.
0: That's interesting. Are you are you oppositionally defiant? Do you think to have uh, Not you know, usually people say you can't Not- do that, and like the moment someone says you might be able to do it, you went, "That's it. I'm doing it."
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe with other <laughs> things I, I have been, but. Mostly with that. It was just, it just really, I don't know. I think at school, I don't know. Did you run cross country, Michelle? I'm sure you did. I did. You know, most, most kids got to do it. And whilst yeah. a lot of kids didn't like it, I know a lot of people don't like the idea of having to run for eight kilometers or 10 kilometers or whatever yeah. it might be. Uh, it actually, at that age, you're usually pretty reasonable at it. And so it. <laughs> to be, to be denied doing it, you know, really did irritate me. So uh i had to had to deal with that but anyway oh. i did play footy and cricket throughout those times as much as i could and and, an and I, running running only came good uh only running came, only came into my life after i left school really
0: someone said the other day they were talking reflecting on the beep test that we used to do at school yes. and they were saying how much everybody hated it and i said to the person next to me mm, no i didn't hate it that was actually quite fun <laughs> the beep test <laughs> Anyway, I never,
1: to, I never got to do the beep test, but I know what you mean, you know, where you've got to Running keep as going until yeah. it gets harder and harder. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was quite fun.
0: Anyway, it probably says more about me than <laughs> enjoying to do those hard things. Um, So it sounds like when you left school, you had that surgery. Did that take you very long to recover from? Was that a, a period out? Because you would have gone to study, so you went on to do your medicine. It didn't yeah. interrupt your studies at all?
1: no. No, not too badly. It was it was okay. the end of my first year at medicine. Okay. Uh, I was one of those pa- I was one of those patients in the hospital that thought he knew everything because I'd done one year of medicine, which was basically nothing. But, uh, so I probably gave the poor nurses a hard time. But no, it happened in the December of of you know the, the yep. you know in between yep. Yep. The, yep. the years of medicine of school. So therefore, uh, I think I was probably a bit sore and unable to do much for a good two months because okay. you, you know your breastbone's still knitting again. But I don't know. By the later that year, later the next year, sort of June, July, August, I was probably starting to to run a bit. I, that was university days, and in fact, I yeah. moved into a residential college at the university uh, I was at that year, and I probably partied a bit hard and and probably spent too much socializing and and drinking. Sadly, so my running didn't kick off to a great start. And you know, the the most important part of this story that I said I wanted to take to run a marathon after the surgery is that I didn't actually do it until I was thirty eight years old. So, well, which was another twenty you, years.
0: You, I was going <laughs> to say, you weren't at uh, university for 20 years, <laughs> right. so it was after that. Oh, wow. No, so I think. I, yeah, you go.
1: No, I was going to say, I think what happened is, you know, uh, medical school was a bit of the fun time and of course I yeah. studied, but there were, you know, it's busy and there was a lot of socialization and I probably drank too much during those years. And yep. so the sport, didn't play as big a part as it, as it should have yeah. uh, and then once you go to once you go into the hospitals as a as a young doctor that is a pretty pretty busy and tiring time of your life and you you're, mm-hmm. you're working a lot of hours you're doing a lot of nights on call you're you know just the that you leave late from work you got to get mm-hmm. there early so fitting in a lot of sport in general let alone running wasn't possible and so it wasn't really until quite a few years later, as I said, 20 years later, I was actually now a specialist in yeah. I'm an intensive care specialist. I, I work in a hospital in the ICU and in our specialty, we in Victoria, we get the opportunity to go on a sabbatical leave after you've been working for, I think about eight years. So mm-hmm. I took a sabbatical as as a specialist and we were living, my wife and I just got married and we were over in Canada mm-hmm. and I suddenly thought, i got nothing to do every day, except for some, you know, like a sabbatical I was working, but it was like pretty soft, soft level of work. So it's time to run that marathon. And so I thought I'll I'll start training up now. And in fact, I was was totally inspired by the Canadians. We were living in a small town in Ontario called Kingston, and we arrived in in December, their winter, obviously, and the snow was, you know, a metre in height all around the roads. And yet despite that, And, and, and it was minus 30 degrees. And despite that, you'd see, you'd see all these people come out running and they'd have special shoes and they'd have Mm. five layers on, but they would run across the ice and the snow. And I thought if they can do it, so can I. So I went out and got all, got all the right gear and, uh, and started training for a, for a, a half marathon initially. Yes. Um, but the training, went, the training went quite well and I was doing better than I thought. And so after about six months when I was going to do the half marathon, I thought, why don't I do the full marathon? And luckily that was the, the one that, I, that, that, you know, was my goal after I yeah. turned 18 and I'd now achieved it. So that was great. Some
0: 20 odd years later.
1: <laughs> too, too long, too long. In retrospect, you know, as a runner now, and I love my running, I, I look back and I think what a waste of those 20 years, you know, particularly if you are into interested in competitive running and, you know, track yeah. running or even, even, even fast marathons. I wasted the time when you would have been <laughs> at your peak, when I would have been at my peak and now my times and, and my efforts are, are, are old man's efforts.
0: <laughs> I do. There, I, a friend of, well, and a lot of people I know did the Melbourne Marathon yesterday. Yep. Um... And I, I don't know why it popped up on my feed, but there was a woman in America. She might have been in Canada. Anyway, uh, she was 60 to 65 world record in a marathon of two hours, 43 or something like that. Oh and I Lord. went, what? Fast. Here am I waiting until yeah. I get older and I'll be faster. You know, one of the fastest people in my age group because everyone else will stop running. Yeah. But that's just not happening. <laughs> so no. I've noticed all these people like that's crazy. Anyway, no, um, that, that's
1: super super fast. I, I I was lucky enough to run yesterday too, and I thought the same thing. As I get older, I'll probably yeah. be able to to get higher in the sort of per, the, the, ranking. the percentage, if you yeah. like, of the runners, the rankings. But but it's not true because the the good oh. ones keep going. I know they definitely keep going, stopped. and yeah. and they seem to get faster. <laughs>
0: like, um, Steve Monagetti was some record yes. holder yesterday <laughs> for um his age group, which was I think also sixty and above or something. <laughs> I thought this is crazy. Anyway. Um
1: well for for a running podcast, we should we should look at that as something that's really good because it's inspiring. inspiring because you can is. continue to run for a long time mm-hmm. and you can run fast, even yep. at an older age, no that's doubt.
0: That's true. You may not beat Steve Montigetti or this lady in <laughs> North America, but it yep. um, doesn't matter. That's not really or the the m-
1: point. Or the new marathon world record holder who yes. last week, you know, did it in only 35 seconds over two hours. It's just oh amazing. God. That's crazy.
0: So um, I wanted to ask you, during this 20-year hiatus from running, w- w- did you do other bits and pieces of sport as life threw them at you or did you just not do much no, at all?
1: No, not not really. I, I've always run. I'll be honest. I did. I was running through those periods. A bit mm-hmm. of an on and off relationship, I'd go through yep. three months where I'd pretty well run most days as a jog, you know, it was always simple jobs. I probably, in that time, I probably never Mm -hmm. ran more than, yeah, just keep fit. Mm -hmm. Maybe six, six or eight kilometers. That's all I'd ever run. We would sometimes like my family. Or, or some of my friends would do uh do fun runs occasionally there's one down at the beach that, where we go holidaying each year in in lawn the mountains to yeah. surf where where we'd, we'd often enter that without much training sometimes yeah. with training sometimes I'd have good efforts sometimes I, I didn't but yeah so I was always running but but then I'd go through a phase where work was really busy and I might go yeah. for three months without running and mm-hmm. and I I'll be honest the, the thing that's made me continue to want to run now is I always hated that restart that yeah phase where you haven't done it for three months and you've got to start building, but building up again. And I noticed that when I was 20, in my twenties, that was easy to do. When I was in my thirties, it was getting a little bit harder to do. But by the time you hit your forties, every time you restart after three months off, it is so hard. Those first six runs feel like, you know, just so hard. breathe. So (laughs) yeah, and your muscles are all sore and you think, how come I be so slow? So yeah, and I always ran, but never, never as seriously as uh, I, I have more recently. No. Mm.
0: So once you did that marathon in Canada, what did your running look like after that? What what inspired you to take on obviously more? Because we're talking now.
1: <laughs> well, actually the I was training in Canada, but we moved back just before uh or we moved back at the end of that year and, and the marathon hadn't been done yet. I actually oh. ran the Auckland marathon. It was actually the Auckland oh, it was Marathon. The Auckland. And and I, I really enjoyed that. I, I just happened to be at a conference the week oh. before that. And so I saw it was it was on you know, the weekend after. So I thought I'll just stay and do that. And, and it was, it was a really good marathon. I don't know if anyone's run the Auckland Marathon, but you run across the the Harbour Bridge there in in Auckland and it was fun. And I actually did all right. I, I I did typically first, first time marathon runner. I, I blew up and, you know, the last 10 kilometres was really hard and my feet were, you know, my toes were blistered and there was blood coming out of one of the, one of the toenails and all the stuff that normally, you know, happens when you don't really know what you're doing. Um, But I did a reasonable time and I thought, Oh, I might have an, have another go at one of those. So, uh, the next year I set myself. I, I actually did a reasonably um, good time in my mind. It was three hours and seventeen minutes or something. So I thought oh, that's I, reckon I, I, I reckon I could get to three hours. Is what I, what I thought. You know, I'm thirty eight. I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm in the prime of my life. I thought I'll give it a go. And so I, I trained really hard the next year. And, uh, aimed to the Melbourne marathon, which was exactly 12 months after Auckland and did, did pretty good training. And, and, uh, I think one in, in the middle of that year, I was looking for a long run when I was traveling overseas, I was actually in Brussels and there happened to be the Brussels marathon on the same weekend that I I wanted a long run while I was in the town. So I did that marathon just, just as a long run. Uh, so that was a slow one, but, but, but then I came back to Melbourne and, uh, I, I went hard and, did it in three hours and 39 seconds, which was almost the, it was sort of the, uh, I hate to say, I'm ashamed to say now was, was really sad for me. I mean, I think that's an amazing time now. I've never gone faster and you know, it's pretty close to a three hour marathon, but there was something about getting under three hours that really, um, was so important to me that I remember crying my eyes out at the finishing line thinking I've just, you know, now in retrospect, (laughs) you think, hang on, I've just done a, a very fast marathon. Uh, I've got 17 minutes faster in one year. Probably next year I'll do it. Um, but I was crying. And, and I'm sort of really, I'm really embarrassed about that now. Isn't um, that funny? But that,
0: the, so... the expectation, you know, we set up in our head and then if we don't hit it. We get quite.
1: Well, distressed. and they're so <laughs> foolish ones. They're all about, they're, it's a number, it's a r- arbitrary number that we choose, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and, but, but I mean, I suppose that it shows the, the truth. I probably, you know, if there wasn't a, a time goal, I probably wouldn't have gone so fast, but yeah. in, nevertheless, uh, I, it was, um, an, another irritation in my life. So the next year I, I trained even harder. And was aiming to do, I was going to do the Great Ocean Road Marathon, which is in May about what, seven or eight months later. Mm -hmm. And I I, I probably wasn't ever going to get to three hours because that's a much more undulating course than the Melbourne Marathon. Having said that, I got a really bad foot injury and I got like three or four different lesions in my foot. They had to do MRIs to, to, um, to have a look at it. It wasn't a stress factor, but it was, I can't even remember the name of some of the the different tendons Mm -hmm. and bones that were, were injured. So, uh, a doctor, sports doctor said, no, I think you're going to have to stop training. This was about six weeks beforehand and I was fly, flying, you know, I was really running the best I've ever run in my life. So no. that, that, that I had to pull out and I'll tell you what, I didn't, I didn't really run oh. again for about five years based, based really? on that situation. Yeah. So what yeah, year I was just,
0: that? How old were you? You must've been what, 38 or I, something?
1: I think I was 39. I was 39, just about to turn 39. 40 and, and, and yeah, no, you've you worked it out well. And oh. so uh, that, that really, I really got depressed about that. I thought, you know, I, I wanted to get a time. I I nearly got it once. I trained well enough to probably run it the next time, Mm -hmm. but then I got injured. You know, he's running really for me. I got very busy with my job at that stage. I was doing a lot of academic medicine, you know, research papers and and, uh, lots of leading of different research studies and things like that. So I got uh, overly busy too. Both of our children came around that time Mm -hmm. in the the gap. I think one was born before I did the the fast marathon and the second one came afterwards. And so with young children, I, I just didn't really just have the energy or the desire to, or perhaps I was a bit depressed. So I didn't didn't run for mm. for best part of the next five years or events. I was running, of course, but yeah, not yeah. not seriously. And I, and I would sometimes, you know, as I said before, I would get a, a period of few few months off and then realize how hard it was to get back. So I would think don't bother. <laughs> you know, yeah. just go for two runs and if it's too hard, we'll try again next week. So wow. yeah, I, I was a bit of a was a bit of an off relationship uh, at that stage. A um, hit
0: and miss type of. It was. It came so,
1: back though. It came back do No worry. I, I I got to a phase about ten years ago now where I actually had a bad situation at work where I got quite burnt out. a yeah. uh, whole lot a whole lot of stuff happened that you know my mental health wasn't fantastic, and mm. uh, I I ended up leaving the job that I was at. And that was when I realized that my lifestyle was part of the problem, that yeah. I wasn't exercising enough, that I wasn't eating well enough, that I was probably drinking too much, mm-hmm. that I didn't have good sleep. You know, mindfulness was something I hadn't heard of at that stage. And I now yeah. practice, you know, a whole lot of things had had uh, gone wrong. So I really revolutionized my life. And that was the time when I really took up running properly again and uh, hit it hard. And basically ever since I've been pretty well running, you know, marathons and a few ultra marathons, uh, in the, in the intervening decade, which is brought me to now.
0: So was it, you know, when you were in this hard time, was it running that came to your mind because it, you had this, um, you had a relationship with running in your life. Do you yeah. think that was why you adopted running as your method for the fitness element of, of getting better, whether it's physically and mentally?
1: I think, yeah, yes, yes, Michelle, I think the truth is that I've always seen running as a way to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was a little bit chubby at this stage, not not massively overweight or anything, but I'd put on a few pounds with a period where I wasn't looking after myself very well. And I knew that every time I ran, I'd, I would lose weight, not yeah. dramatic amounts, but it just, just helped weight management. So I always saw, you know, swimming, I do a lot of swimming as well, and I've done yeah. a few ocean swims along the years, but swimming, you know, go out to the pool. You don't seem to lose weight, even if you if you go very hard. Whereas running always has. So yeah. that that was one of the drivers. But but I also knew that I loved the sport and I I had enjoyed it and I'd done those marathons and I'd done well. And so why why wouldn't I go back to to doing that? And I I do remember the very first time that I took a serious run after I was um had resigned from my job and I was in this period of quite decent decent you know mental pain. Mm. And I dropped my daughters at school one day and I thought i just go for a run after I dropped them and it was, we, their school was quite close to the, the botanical gardens here in Melbourne, what we yep. call the tan track, which yep. I'm sure you know, Michelle, but, but maybe <laughs> listeners won't know, but it's a popular track in Melbourne and yep. it was a kilometre, their school was a kilometre away from it. So mm-hmm. I would drop them at the school and I went off for a run one day and I'll never forget the feeling of just the sun on my back. And mm. the warmth of that and feeling my body moving again. And it was like a sort of spiritual moment where I thought, "Oh, wow! I've got to be doing this. I've got to be doing more of this. I don't know whether it was pure mindfulness or whether, mm. whether there was some, some spiritual aspect to it, but I, I really remember that how much that motivated me after that, just keep doing this. Something was trying to tell me, get out and run. And really, I probably haven't really stopped since.
0: It's got into a flow, a flow yes. state. Um, Definitely. so why do you think you stuck at it at this time? Is it because of that experience?
1: A bit, but also mm-hmm. I've I've just really en- enjoyed it as a, as an activity that brings a lot of uh, health to my body but also to my mind, you know, in, in line with what you'd like to talk about on this podcast. I feel that it is a version of mindfulness. I mm. practice meditation as well, but I like to think when I'm out running you you know, you, I do carry my phone because I like to listen to to things in yep. my headphones. But, but I'm not really available, you know, to the world. I'm not in my hospital with patients all around me. I'm, I might be able to receive a call, but I can just block that or let it go through to the keeper. So I feel yep. much more in a in a situation where I'm, I'm uh, free and I'm, I'm helping. My mind, so I think that's been part of it. But then again, of course, the competitiveness came back, and I thought, well, if I've done fast marathons in the past, let let's get back to it and see how fast I am. And and uh, I've never been able to get back that fast again. But I've I've continued to 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 run marathons. And then a few years ago, I I started to realise that a marathon was a great distance, but why don't I try something longer? And so <clears throat> about five years ago now, I did the the sixty um, kilometre version of the Great Ocean Road. marathon, what's called the Great Ocean Road Ultra Marathon. And I've done that four times now and, and realized that running further was, was fun. It was hard. It was a lot harder than, than a a, a marathon, but, but I enjoyed that. And so now I'm at the stage where I'm really looking for, for a bit longer. Uh, I did, I did this year, um, as part of the the evolution of my running, I did the Run Larapinta race in, in August, which, which was just the best exercise or endurance sport I've ever done. That's a four-day stage race in the yes. Larapinta Trail up um, near Alice Springs in in the Northern Territory of, of Australia, and that was just so good. It was you know stunning scenery, amazing landscape, but just four days of 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 recurrent running was something I'd never done before. I I, I did it with a friend, a friend yeah. of mine. Um, and I decided we'd do something together as mates. We live on opposite sides of the country. He's in Perth and I'm in Melbourne and we're, we're intensive care doctors. So we see each other through, um, medical circles, but we decided to do some running together. And it's very hard when you're training on separate sides of the country, but we, we did, you know, we, we set ourselves up and talk to each other. In fact, we, we actually did a podcast series on a podcast that I host. I do an ICU podcast, a, a podcast about intensive care. It's a, it's a, you know, it's not something that unless you're an intensive care that doctor or nurse, across. you'd <laughs> want to listen to. No, but but what we decided to do was to in, try to inspire other people, be like you're doing with this, this show, trying to inspire doctors and nurses in the intensive care world that two older doctors could sort of set themselves a a challenge of running something that was way further than they'd ever run before and, you know, go through the preparation, you know, talk about how, how we set ourselves up and what we are training, you know, what we're going to do with nutrition, what we're going to do with the running vest and all that sort of stuff that, and, and so we did like nine episodes of, of of this podcast talking about it, which was, which was probably the best part of it because we got to chat we'd get excited and, you know, we, we, I got to see more what my friend Ed was doing, you know, in, in his training, yeah. he could hear what I, what I was worried about, you know, what was I stressed about, you know, the equipment or whatever. He'd tell me his side of it. That, that one was really fun. And I so, uh, but we, well, we also did the event together and, and mm-hmm. as well as that, just, just, just hanging out together for four days with, with him, but also with. All the other runners in the event was was just tremendous, and I, I really loved that. So I think I've got a bit of a mind towards trail running now, and uh, I think you know that the ultra trail type uh, direct is the direction I'm probably going to going to head more now. I did Melbourne Marathon yesterday, as I said before, and uh, that that I'm really sore today. I, I ran pretty hard, and it was yeah. my fastest marathon since those ones when I was young. Oh, good but, job! But what did you do? So yeah,
0: what I did, did a three
1: thirty one. So I was awesome. I was happy with that. That was my my over forty PB as I'm calling it. Oh, I and, love it. Uh, but 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 I really had to push, and you know my body sore today, and and I don't I don't feel that sore when I run on the trails. I, it's it's amazing yeah. how the roads really really rip up your quads and and your legs, and and so uh, I'm wondering. I mean, I want to keep running the Melbourne mm. Marathon. There's a there's a thing called the Spartans. Spartans. You would have heard of you know if you do ten. My girlfriend just did her 12 My girlfriend
0: She just did her twelfth. I've done six. Well, that's Melbourne's.
1: You've done six, Melbourne's, have you? Mm,
0: mm.
1: Well, I'm up to eight. You're six, so we're not far away from the ten. Oh, together Spartan, we so. could
0: be a Spartan. Maybe you could share it too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I'm gonna. I think I'll give it a crack because it's only two more. But, but yeah, as apart job. from do it, just just doing that, I I, I think ultras, uh, uh, sorry, trail running yeah. is probably so much better on on my body. So I'm probably. I think that's the same
0: that for direction. everyone. Like I, a lot of people on the podcast talk about that about the trail running yes. and how how it is good for our bodies, how they've found, especially if they've come from road, it's so much more forgiving because yes. there's all the up and down and, you you know, your surface is uneven. Um, You're not running all the time for all kinds That's, of reasons because of yeah. the, the surface, because of the ups and downs, because you're not running on the side of the road or on a footpath where everyone's looking at you. <laughs> you, can, you can just walk sometimes because... You want to, um, you know, it's just not, it's, it's a different experience and the competitiveness of it, um, it exists, but it's not quite as cutthroat, I think, for gen- generally, for most of us. Anyway, that's how
1: I find it. No, well, I, I found all those things. I, I think you're quite right. And, you know, the, the idea of a specific time is, is... Is less important because almost ludicrous. It, every every, every trail is <laughs> different. Yeah, every trail is different. You're probably not going to do yeah. the same trail race every time, so it's very yeah. different to trying to get a marathon time. Yeah. Uh, anyway, you're right. I think yeah. I'm I'm going to try to head that. The the, um, the plan for the next couple, the next six months or so, or 12 months really, is to try to. Uh, do what they call the triple crown with the, the rapid ascent, the organization that runs, run Lara Pinta. They, they have two other events, the Margaret River Ultramarathon, which okay. is the 80 kilometer marathon in Margaret River in Perth or WA. Yeah. And then there's the, um, Surf Coast Century. You would have heard of Michelle over yeah. here in Victoria and near Anglesey yeah. that she's in, in September ish. So May and September, they do those two. So I'm going to try and get up to do those two next year, which would, um, be way further than I've ever run before. That's uh, the Pinta was 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 four long days, but they weren't. The longest one was forty one kilometers. And I was going to ask previous... you, I couldn't
0: remember how how long that each uh, leg was in Pinta.
1: Yeah, well, forty one was the longest. Having said that, by the time you add the hills and yep. the descents and the mm-hmm. scrambling over rocks, it probably felt more like running a sixty or seventy k. We were out there for seven exactly. and a half hours to do forty one kilometers, so it seems longer, but 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 yeah i've never done it so that's my my goal now to see if i can run 80 or 100 and i'll see what see what happens whether this old guy can do that
0: what did you what do you think you learned from lara pinter like you've you've obviously reflected a bit with your friend
1: yeah well i think the idea of community around running has been a massive learning experience for me over the the last 5 years or so in, and yeah. really was punctuated by lara pinter i yeah. i got involved in a in a running group Uh, here in Melbourne, a friend of mine, who's a doctor invited me one time to a Saturday morning running group we have. And at seven o'clock every Saturday morning, someone's house or at the tan in Melbourne, we, we go for a run around about 40, 50 minutes. It's not a hard one. It's not a, you know, not a fast one, but the the people I've come to know through that group, we always have a coffee afterwards and the the people I've come to know that group has just been so valuable to me. They're great people. And, and they, you know, like, I did the marathon yesterday our WhatsApp group. They're all congratulating me and all this sort of support you get for your own running, let alone yeah. for each other. You know, we support each other in, in many different ways. And so that that community is something I never had before. As a doctor mm-hmm. who always used to think my schedule was so um, difficult, I didn't yeah. want to run with other people. Maybe it was an excuse. Maybe I never, yeah. liked, you know, I was trying to keep myself away from other people, but it was only in the last five years that I've realized that running with other people is actually a lot of fun. And <laughs> so having done the Larapinta with this buddy of mine, And both of us said at the end, probably the best part of the whole event was just hanging out with a buddy for four days. Forget the running, just literally hanging out. Most of of us, you know, we've got families and, you know, a spouse that we see each other every day. But, you know, to actually have friends in your life that you go and spend several days with a few Mm. and far between, you know, I, I Mm. I might, I might be generalizing a bit, but I feel men even find that harder than women. And so I don't have a lot of friends that I hang out with under under those conditions. So Mm. just to hang out with this guy, uh, Ed was, was so much fun. And, and I think that was, that was great. I also got to meet a lot of the other runners at, at the Larapinta run. Mm -hmm. You know, I did the marathon yesterday. I probably talked to two other people at the the race, apart from my family who met me at the end, whereas at Run Larrapinta, you talk to everybody during every part yeah. of the run and at breakfast and lunch and dinner, you're, you're meeting other people and getting to know them. And now I'm hooked up on Strava with most of those, most of the, most of those people that I met during I the Larapinta. That. So I'm, I'm really enjoying the, the it's expansion community. into mm. community. Yeah. Mm. Really important.
0: There's On the podcast, we've, so there's a couple of things from what you just said that, um, to reflect on the, the community that you feel when you're doing trail running is so much it just has this um this vibe about it that a lot of people mentioned on the podcast and how special it is um which i think is amazing that you that you touched on that Uh, and i don't know whether it's because uh, it's a bit like we're out there having an experience that's it's hard and we're all we're, we're all having our own experience of what that hard looks like but we're doing it together and 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 you know that if something happened to you somebody would be there the next person that came along would definitely help you out. Just like if you come across somebody who needs help, you start, it's, it's almost that competition versus humanness. <laughs> the competition has gone completely when in those, in those circumstances, it's just it's quite an interesting thing um, community wise. The other thing you said about um, blokes and that ability to communicate with and have friends and to be able to talk about things that are going on, One of the things that in the beginning of the podcast, 200 odd episodes ago, we talked quite a bit about that um, when you're running next to somebody, and this is particularly for blokes, but it's also for women, but you know, we're talking about blokes here. um, Your eyes are looking ahead because, so you're not in that confrontational, you know, looking directly in someone's eyes. And most of us, if we're speaking about something sensitive and especially blokes, not that I want to sort of stereotype it at all, but it's much easier to open up. On things that are going on so you know you and your friend are uh, running for four days and you you know next to each other or your friends on a, on a Saturday morning it's much easier to develop these relationships in many ways even though some of the things you're opening up about are just the minutiae of your everyday things that have happened during the week it just develops this beautiful um, sort of knit of a community I don't, don't know how to explain I'm not bringing out the right words but um, I just, I love that you picked up that as well in your experience with Lara Pinter and now with your weekly training buddies.
1: Yeah, well well said, Michelle. I was always taught with my children, that was a good way to talk to them, take them in the car so that yeah. they're both, you know, they're That's in the good. front seat and you're driving and you can have a chat about something deep, but um, it's true with, with running as well, because yeah, it's hard to to have those really deep, intimate conversations looking at each other. Uh, so I, I I think you're quite right. I love
0: it. Oh, what do you think running is teaching you about you at the moment?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I Some good things and some bad things. I, I would oh. say just quickly thinking, thinking it. I think I might be a little bit over. I'm not going to say that, oh, I am going to say the word addiction. I'm not sure if yeah. it's an addiction. I think I'm over-focused, on my running in, Mm -hmm. which might be slightly detrimental to, Mm -hmm. to my health. I've always thought that the connections we form with others include the connections to our, our activities and our behaviors and our ideologies and those sort of things. And they've got to be giving back to us as much as we're giving to them. You know, running is definitely giving me back a lot at the moment, but I'm giving a fair bit to to it. I've got to be careful. I don't push it too far. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, So that's, it's taught me that, but, but it's also taught me good things about the fact that I. I, you know, I get so much value out of running. I I tell people now that my most perfect day is a day that I'm not rostered on in the ICU. I'm having a day off and Mm -hmm. I'm only half time in my job. So I get quite a few days where I'm not on a weekday where I'm not rostered. But if I can get up on those days and do something in the morning quickly, you know, maybe drive one of the kids to school or something. Mm -hmm. And then, and then uh, I'll come home and think, what am I going to do today? The first thing I want to do is go out for a run. I run to the beach, actually. I run to the beach and I dump myself into the water for a cold, cold plunge. And then I'll, I'll run home and the whole, I can turn that in anything from a 5k loop to a, to a 15k loop, depending on how much time I've got. I'll make sure it involves going to a cafe and having a coffee on the way past. And I just love that. If the sun's shining on me, I I can't think of a better part of my day. I'm alone. I'll be honest. I'm alone. Having just talked about community, most of these runs, I'm alone, but I've got podcasts in my ear or, or an audio book or something. And I, I just, and I talk to the baristas when I get to the cafes that I go to, and I might chat to someone if I see them on the beach or something, Mm -hmm. but, but mostly I'm on my own, but I, I don't think there's anything better I do on my own right now than that. I'm sure there's some mindfulness about that. Uh, I'm sure there's, you know, I actually value what I'm listening to. I usually put Mm on, um, podcasts that are inspiring or an audio book that I'm trying to learn from. So it's, 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 it's helping me as well as my, you know, my running and what I'm, how my brain is fed. So I I find that to be so valuable that I think it's something I really need. Like Mm -hmm. I've got an appetite for it. I I don't want to miss a day running when I'm not working because I just feel awful. I don't feel as good as if I've done it. So. I, I just think there's so much that running is helping me with. So I guess that's what it's teaching me at the moment.
0: Yeah. I was thinking about it today when I was running with my, I listen to a lot of eBooks when I'm running, like it's my mobile university, I <laughs> sometimes say. Yep. Um, and I was thinking about it because I'm also doing some things, as you, you said, with um, with mindful running and how, and how to explain it to people and what it might look like, you know, in your run. And the fact that actually, as you said earlier, um, perhaps our runs are often mindful anyway, whether we focus on it or not. And that, you know, what I was thinking is that when you're you know, being mindful, the definition is that you are being fully present in the moment. And so sometimes when I'm listening to a podcast or to a, an, an ebook, I can turn it off and I can just listen to my body just for a couple of minutes it's not like like I think sometimes people are resistant to some of these kind of concepts because they think, oh, you mean I have to always be mindful or what they consider to be mindful in those those moments, which means they're always um, in touch with how their body is feeling, and th- which actually wouldn't be a bad thing. But um, <laughs> but but you don't. You can. It's just having some moments, and I've noticed even when I do, if I haven't turned off whatever's on in my ear, I still am capable of not listening to what it is and to be listening to my body at at that moment, those moments, it's kind of a funny way to be saying that you, you can be mindful in your run, but your runs don't have to be completely mindful. So every run can have a little bit of mindfulness in it and probably does, even if you're not looking to do it. Um, Yeah. So, So it doesn't have to be all, all of one and, and not the other, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know no, where it, I was going It's a little bit of it, I was trying to, trying to say, rather than having to be completely mindful all the time.
1: I, I think it's a great topic of exploration because I, mm. I worry about this with my own running that because I'm listening to a podcast and my wife teases because I often list, listen to them slightly faster speed, I've I come attuned <laughs> <Me too. laughs> to something between one and, a, one and, a half and Two speed, two times the speed, and you know when you first hear it, like when when I, when I it comes on in the car by mistake because the you know your your phone yeah. automatically attaches, and my kids yep. hear it, they all laugh. But you get very attuned to it, and you can okay. you can you can actually hear what's going on pretty easily with two times speed. So anyway, I do that, and I sometimes think, am I really being mindful if I'm listening to a podcast twice yeah. the speed while I'm running and not really focusing on every step where I'm landing my feet or yeah. my breathing, as you said? But but I also think that. It's focusing on what I'm listening to is also, yeah, being present to 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 what's being you know directed into my ear right now. Yes, so it's, I, it's I I'm not right sure now, if it's is. true mindfulness, but it's certainly, yeah. uh, it's certainly I do think about a lot. I I, I did though in the Lara Pinta run, Michelle, my friend Ed said to me, "You're not going to listen to a podcast, are you, while you're out there?" And, and I said, "Probably." And then when I got there and mm-hmm. we sat down and we did a little chat. On, for our for our podcast before our first run, I said I looked him in the eye and I, th- I said I can't listen to anything in my ears. I'm not taking my headphones. I'm here with oh. you at the Larapinta Trail. Yeah. I want to just take it all in nature, the views, the feeling, and and you know, for someone who's been listening to a podcast pretty well every other run for the rest of my life, okay. you would have thought that was going to be that was going to be really hard, but it was not hard at all. I call and it naked so don't, running. I, yeah, and because you're you naked. know, we ran we ran. <laughs> A good idea, a good way to describe it. We we ran for something like 19 hours, I think, over the four days. And it. so 19 hours of doing nothing was, was probably really valuable for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed I it think, anyway. I think there's a lot to be said for changing things up. You know, when we're yeah. doing the same, same all the time and instead step out of your comfort zone. And I know for some people stepping out of their comfort zone is going for a run. For us, stepping out of a comfort zone is going for a run without your headphones
1: yes. or without your
0: watch or without, yep. you know, blah, 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 you name it. Um, I, I run with friends a couple of times a week anyway. And I don't take my headphones then, but when I'm running by myself, I do tend to, um, but I do turn it off quite regularly in order to, you know, add, plus I've got those bone, yeah, you know, the bone con, yep. conductive. Bone ones which are quite good too because you can hear i can hear the birds and on dual and the cars and whatever else too so yeah it's quite good like that
1: it it was really interesting at the melbourne marathon yesterday looking around at the start line mm-hmm. uh, i was having a mindful moment i didn't have my headphones again, and i was looking around and I, I saw two things that really stood out to me one was that nearly everyone had headphones in already before the start i don't know if they were turned on but they were yeah. they were likely to be listening to something and the second thing they all had these super shoes and uh you know these carbon plated fast shoes that you only get to wear once i think and then they will run out and i don't have a pair and i'm sorry if other listeners do have them but i kind of thought do you really need those and Wow. and uh, maybe may, maybe it, we are all a bit hooked on on the equipment that we yeah. take with us running you know the the best uh, pod, uh, best ear pods and you know yeah. the best uh, the most listening we can do and and then the shoes and the the gear that we wear and and i guess that's the downside of running that it's very easy to become addicted to that or or affected by all that with the run there pretty because because of uh, it was my first time really running a trail race i didn't have a running vest i didn't have you know, uh, quite a few other things that we needed to take as the mandatory equipment. I spent one week where I literally spent you know, five or six hours online, looking at all the things I could buy, going to various shops to, you know, to have a look. I ended yeah. up buying Run Running Vest, not liking it, buying another one. And I think in the preparation for that, I probably spent something like, you know, $1,500 on, on various <laughs> running equipment, you know, and new new yeah. shirts and, you know, yeah. new new shorts and all that stuff and new shoes, new trail shoes, all that stuff. So uh, I think you've got to be careful that we don't get too uh, too excited. All you really need to running is to go out in your in whatever shoes you've got with whatever shorts you've got, and you've yeah. probably got a t shirt in the in the back of your cupboard that would work. So you don't actually need any of this stuff. But but I suppose that's the fun part. You you do get to to try it out.
0: <laughs> it is interesting for those of us who can be a bit gear junkie like. <laughs> I can be a bit like that sometimes. Did you use um walking poles, running poles?
1: No. No, we hmm. we didn't. Some did. I saw people using them. Hmm. Uh we actually, my friend and Ed and I got Cheryl to come on to the podcast as a guest, yeah. the one, you, you, Cheryl Martin, who yeah. who we talked about before. And so she'd done a bit of research. She'd talked, she's got so many mates in the, the ultra running community. She talked to a few of them and they recommended we didn't take poles because yeah. you would have to have probably tried them out for six yeah. months or so before you'd be really training. comfortable using them. Mm-hmm. And also it was so rocky that it probably wasn't necessary. So yeah. so we didn't, and it was fine. Yeah. It was fine without
0: them. Oh, well, that's cool. I bet I'm training for something next year and, uh, have been wondering about whether to, to learn how to use poles or not, that's all.
1: So I guess... What are you doing, Michelle?
0: Uh, oh, the is it, is it, Gone Nuts, it... Stanley. It's Stanley to, to Winyard, 101 kilometers, Gone Nuts, it's called.
1: Gone, it's gone Nuts.
0: It's called Gone it? Nuts because you run up the Stanley Nut and then, and then you run to, uh, to Wynyard. I don't know if you know Tassie very well, but up on the coast. Hmm. Anyway,
1: it'll be fantastic. Fun. <laughs> well, good luck, good luck. <laughs>
0: Thank you. I'm going to do the like you were talking about. Actually, I've talked to the organizers, and I'm going to interview. I haven't decided how many—five or six—people uh, who are like me training for it. I'm going to talk to them for about 15 minutes each month to see how they're going and how they feel, and we'll record it and turn that into a podcast as well for that that run. So, be exciting. And I, think it's, I think it's. I think it's.
1: It's interesting to hear people talk about what they're preparing for i i found you know i have a pretty well listened to podcast in the in the intensive care area and sure that was not the running was not listened to as much as a, a normal episode because obviously no one's, not everyone's interested in running, but we still got a healthy audience and I've had lots of comments saying how much people love listening to it, you know, just us nettering away about what we yeah. were doing to, in preparation and, and what was, you know, scaring us and what we're yeah. excited about. And, you know, we both had, you know, injuries along the way and, you know, we discussed that and, and I think people do enjoy that. And I your podcast is a great example, you know, who matter whoever you interview, they've got something, yeah, to say exactly. And everyone's everyone's got their own story.
0: It's their own journey, isn't it? And I think we uh, you know television has proved that we quite like to watch those journeys. there's a there's a lot of television programs where they'll you'll take someone from you know the start of a journey to the end of the journey and we quite like right. vi- vicariously <laughs> along with them to see how it turns out. Um, so I'm hoping it'll be a bit like that. um, I quite like gotta play with the format a bit, but anyway, watch this space. We'll see that how sounds that fun. goes. yeah. Good. <laughs> um, you said before you have had some injuries, haven't you? Yeah,
1: uh, yeah, I've, I've had my fair share of leg injuries. Uh, I also got a bad back at one stage that was probably from being too sedentary and too... Yeah. Um, not working on my core, I went yeah. to Pilates and and spent the last ten years doing Pilates, and that's helped my back a lot. My nice. biggest injury though was uh, a high hamstring tendinopathy, as it's called, where the the hamstring inserts up into the gluteus muscle, or the you know the back of your bum, basically. Yeah. That that got really. Um, I don't know, worn out, I guess. It's not a, it's not a tear. It's just worn out from overrunning and the way your body's shaped. And that took, I don't know, three or four years to get over totally. Uh, that was really, really hard work, but, but I could run, but I just couldn't run fast and I couldn't run hard. And 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 I had to really, you got to always feel it. And I'd find Mm -hmm. I'd struggle to sit down after a race. I'd struggle to sit in the car. I, I, I tell you, I've, I've because we're talking about running, I did something this year that I think really mattered to me and i I'd yeah. share it in case other people would find it. I read the Born to Run book uh, when it yeah. came out, you know, 2010 or whatever it was. I'm sure many yeah. of your listeners have heard it. And that's great storytelling around the idea that yeah. our ancestors barefoot ran all running. their lives yeah. and, and there's people doing barefoot running and all that stuff. But, I've got but five fingers. Didn't like... really... <laughs> have you? I, yeah. I, I, have, I haven't tried I don't use I them tried to run them, though.
0: But... I use them to go to the beach now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: anyway. I tried the socks and I didn't, I didn't like the socks. But anyway, um, what I did though, there's, there's a second book. I don't know if you all know this, the Born to Run 2 book, which is more of a manual about mm-hmm. how to develop the sort of patterns of the ancestral patterns of, of high cadence, um, soft, soft shoe, soft landing, uh, on, on the forefoot rather than Mm -hmm. the heel strike. And so I, I, my wife gave that to me for Christmas last year, and it's got a, it's got a training program for developing that style of running. And so I did it and it's changed by much faster cadence. I was running about 160 uh, steps a minute. Now, now I'm up to the 180 that everyone tells you you should be. And my, my heel strike is much more. Below my waist than it was in the past, and or my foot strike, I should say. Yeah. So it's more forefoot than heel, so the, and the there's a whole is- lot of exercises. They they teach you to build up your your glutes and your hamstrings, and and I think that's really changed my injury profile. I would always have some sort of niggle, little mm. you know, front of the knee, knee patella, uh, patella tendon, or I'd have some ITB or something. I've hardly had any injuries since I I tried this this style of running. Okay. When I first tried it, I did get a foot injury, which I think yeah. was because I, I, I just changed the angle of my feet and that's gradually disappeared over time. But I, I think it's really worthwhile. I think we, we've got to think more about our styles of running uh, and, and, and that's just one of, um, of many books that have, have given us of ways to, to run a more uh, softer style, I would say.
0: Yeah, I'll, uh, one of the things I do I, actually, I'll put the link in the show notes for anyone who is interested. Although it's pretty easy to find <laughs> in the yep. in the Googles. Um, one of the things that I have to, always done uh, when I've been running with people who who want to run, I want to say run lighter, but they they hit the ground really hard. Um, and also with myself, when I get tired, I actually just think run lighter, and I just I just think yep. that. And for whatever reason, well, probably because our mind and our body are very connected no matter what. <laughs> so whatever's going on in our mind, it will affect your body. And I run lighter as a result. So just, I found that even just thinking run a bit lighter changes, you know, especially if I'm tired, changes the, uh, my style of running at that moment. So yeah, I think there's well, a, a lot to be said to that.
1: Perfect mindfulness, really. Mm. I think you're using your thinking. To create a, a better style of activity of your body, mm-hmm. which is running in this instance, I reckon that's perfect. Great idea! It's awesome, and it's really easy.
0: Didn't have to go to a shop. Yes. I didn't buy anything at all. <laughs> <It> just <Yeah. laughs> I just thought about it, it's crazy. <laughs> Can you imagine? it? It's just weird. Anyway, um, <laughs> now I wanted to ask you, um, what? Well, you've talked a bit about this, I think, but I'm interested to hear what your motivation you think now is for your running and to stay running and to stay fit. What are you? What's motivating you?
1: Well, I've heard you ask that to other podcast guests you've had, so I've been thinking a bit about what that might be for me because ideally, as I've said before, I've been motivated different times for different things. There's yeah. no doubt that weight control and weight loss was a big part of running at one stage. I think also the idea of just being fit, being a doctor who is already mm-hmm. fit has been a motivating factor to me. Yep. I think more recently though, I've kind of, I've, I've seen, um, oh no, I should also say, of course, as I said already, that desire to be outside with the endorphins feeling good, which really happens every time I do mm-hmm. go for a run uh, is is a motivating factor. If, you, if you're sitting on the couch and you're feeling stiff and sore, yet you could be out running with all the Good body feelings that I get, then that's a clear motivator. Mm. But I'm starting to wonder whether my identity is now a big part of it. You know, my idea that I identify as a runner, and yeah. that my friends see me as the old guy who's still running. The mm-hmm. you know, yesterday I, I'm in a WhatsApp group with a whole lot of schoolmates from my old school, and there's about eighty of us. And so one of them went on Strava yesterday and saw that I'd run the marathon, and he put a, a, a picture of my my Strava. Um, uh-huh. Entry with the marathon, and you know, suddenly I get all these congratulations from from all my mates, and and it's kind of like you know, Andrew's the guy who's still running. You know, none, none of, many of those guys don't still run, presumably. Mm. I don't know. I don't, I don't see them running marathons anyway. And yeah. some of them are more overweight and busy and, you know, probably don't mm-hmm. fit that into their lives. So I, I'm starting to wonder whether I, I'm, I'm, I like to be identified as a runner. And I don't know yeah. whether that is a good or a bad thing. I do certainly want to run for the rest of my life. I've said to to people, and I said this on, to, on my podcast uh, when we were talking about running, I said, I would like, honestly, to plan to run a marathon when I'm 100 years old. I love and that, that might sound might sound fanciful, but I
0: think it sounds awesome. I'm planning to do that. I can't sorry. see
1: why I can't. Well, I can't see why I can't. I mean, number one, exactly. I'll be, it means I'll be alive at 100, which yep. I want to be because I've, yeah. I've got everything to live for, and I've got no health conditions right now. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to be alive at 100. I'd like to still be able to run. And I know there are people at 100 who have run marathons, Absolutely. so it's certainly possible. So mm. that's my drive.
0: I love that. Me too. All of those drives are mine. Good. We'll it's see you. I've always wanted to. to uh, you're 100.
1: you're a bit younger than me, though. So you, uh, I'm not much younger than you. I'm sorry.
0: 53. <laughs> I'm
1: okay, well, I'm also 57. Kidding. So I'll be 104 when you're doing your 100. So there
0: you go. Uh, yeah.
1: I'll, I'll hopefully I'll still be running one.
0: Yeah, you can hand me with some water when I cross the line. <laughs> be fine. Get be the Ill. chair. Sit down. Um, we often talk on the podcast about identity, which is interesting that you brought that up there. Because it it is something when we identify as being runners, like we all do. It's something that can be taken away so easily, with injury and things like that. That suddenly you can't run. So yes, I don't know, and I don't. You don't want to put anything in anybody's mouths or anything, but I wonder whether you know the identity of wanting to be healthy or as healthy as I can, whatever. So if you do get injured or something happens, you just do some other things that keep you moving and I suppose it's the moving you want to be able to keep exercising in some way um it it sort of surpasses the identity of of running and you hope that that would is what what would happen to you should touch wood anything happen that you couldn't run no it's
1: a a seriously good point that you could any of us could lose the the Hmm. capacity to run my I I uh, I have a a good friend, an old boss of mine, as a doctor who, who was over at my house last week, and he's just developed Parkinson's disease. And oh I watched him shuffling up t- up to the door mm. of my house, and there's no way he could run. And mm. oh, uh, sorry, I shouldn't say that. He probably could run, but he wouldn't run very fast. And yeah. and I thought, as I was running the marathon yesterday, I thought if I got that, that would ruin me. It, it, mm-hmm. it would ruin me to not be able to run. Thankfully, I've always enjoyed swimming. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not a super good swimmer. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm quite a slow swimmer, but I've always loved the ocean swimming. And I did get into swimming a lot in that period where I wasn't on and off with running a yeah. bit. I got into some swimming and, and read books about how it was the, the sport that was best for all ages of life, because yeah. there are plenty impact. of old 80 and 90 people mm-hmm. year old people who are swimming comfortably. Even mm-hmm. if they do have health conditions that might not have let, allowed them to run. So I think I would probably always turn to swimming, but I'd be pretty disappointed if I wasn't running. So perhaps I do over identify with yeah. with my identification as a running runner. But
0: isn't that half the thing? Just understanding that to begin yeah. with? Like, it, it's, I don't think any of these things are good or bad. It's just you then know yourself. And so you're prepared. It's not going to come Like if touch wood, as I said before, anything did happen, you're prepared. In a way, yes, it's not just going to hit you on the side of the head and you go, "Oh my God, <laughs> I'm not right, <laughs> I can't do it." So, no. um, yeah, it's just interesting because you said you were very sporty growing up, and including watching sport. And we all know of you know our sporting heroes who didn't deal with it very well once they no longer were able to do those those things, and others that did. You know, they went off on different angles. Was whether it was study or other kind of careers and things like that? So. Um, just worth reflecting on sometimes, I think, for us as individuals. Oh, that,
1: hmm. that point about the sports stars is really important. Hmm. I've watched a lot of. I'm very uh, focused on Australian rules football, their That's AFL, and I watch a lot of the players that literally just were so fit in their playing days and literally lose it all within hmm. three or four years. I've seen, you know, you've seen them interviewed a few years later in, in a, on a TV show about that the sport, and they're suddenly, you know. 10 20 kilos more overweight they look like they can't run anymore or mm. you know even just dog let alone be competing at the highest level like they were only re- very recently so yeah i'm well 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 I, I think about that that a lot um hey but i just want to go back and say something else that i i've didn't say when I talked about the motivation to run, I think is something that I, I I should have mentioned before is that I I think it's really good to inspire other people in our running, not just the identification of me as a runner to inspire. And I I particularly mean that with my family and I've got two uh, daughters, teenage daughters and, you know, they've, we've always done a couple of fun runs a year together. Uh, When they were sort of 10 or 12, they, they loved going out and then they've gone through the sort of teenage yeah. era where they're not so as excited about it. We do do this one in Lawn I mentioned before the mountain to surf run pretty well every year and they always mm-hmm. go in it. But I, I was thrilled yesterday that my oldest daughter, uh, Bridget, who's 18, she turned up to do the 10K at the Melbourne Marathon yesterday oh, of her yeah. own accord. She what? she booked the ticket herself. She did it with her cousin, my niece, and they they came together and 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 I don't think I had anything to do with it. But you know if 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 I do, if I did to think that my desire to be out running uh, in her whole life, she's watched me you know, run a lot. If that's had any part in getting her out to to run a 10K event when she could have just laid in bed, like many other mm. teenagers do, then I, I, I'd like to hope that that is a good motivation for Medicaid running.
0: We, again, there's something else we talk especially to parents on the podcast is a lot about the example that we provide our children and our family, yep. um, let alone the extended community with our family and friends and and beyond people who don't even know you but just see you running on the side of the road. <laughs> who hasn't had that like a long distance runner when you go <laughs> in Tasmania maybe because people talk to you all the time anyway, run into the into town to do a long training run, run back, go to the supermarket on the way home and somebody goes, Oh my gosh, I just saw you running to <laughs> they don't even know you, but they've seen you because they saw you running when they went into town themselves and then running. It was just that concept of seeing you do all of that. Anyway, um that the example that you're providing, I think it can't be under understated and it's not even necessar- necessarily anything that can be articulated, I don't think. But I think being from a family that um, from parents who were, who got divorced when I was, I don't know, eight or nine, and it was fine, very amicable and stuff. But I remember listening to something about kids from divorced parents. And that is that kids um, really do think if the parents are really nice about each other to the to the kids it's a they're doing the kids a favor because a child's identity is made up as far as they know in a very simplistic form I'm half my mum and half my dad and so when a child sees that their mum, their dad or both or whatever are, are living a healthy life whatever that looks like for us it's going for runs um quite regularly um that Even if they choose not to run when they're kids or even don't say that it's something they'll ever want to do, it's part of their DNA in some way that they they think in that simplistic way. And I think, um, again, not very good at articulating that, but I think it is a really valuable thing that we give to our kids when we take up things like running and show them that it's something you do as an adult, not just as a child at PE, at school.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, spot on, spot on. My wife, she's a good swimmer. She Mm -hmm. does, has a swimming squad. She goes to twice a week and she'll do most of the sort of Victorian Ocean swims in the, in the summertime. And so the two of us showing that I think matters. I I know you didn't say it in these words, but children don't like being told what to do. So (laughs) actually telling them you're going to run or you're going to swim never works, but inspiring inspiring them by your own example, I hope, I hope matters. Anyway.
0: Oh, I think. And it seems
1: seems to have on time. Yeah.
0: Um, what does your family say about your running? Like how, how do they reflect it back to you?
1: My, my nuclear family that I live with? Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, look, I've sometimes, being honest, they're going to listen to this, so they'll probably hear this, but I've sometimes thought maybe they don't seem to value my desire to run as much as I do. And, they, yeah. you know, they don't, you know, when I come home from a long run on a Sunday, one of my daughters says, how many kilometers did you run? And that's. One question. Um, My my wife sometimes I think she 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 she's been great support to me over all my years of running. But I sometimes think she thinks you're you're out again on another Sunday. You could be doing the housework. You could be doing Mm -hmm. the garden. You know, and you've been out for five hours running. You know, where have you been? But but how was your run? Um, And so I I I I sometimes have felt they they haven't um, you know just put a value on it. But having said that, though if they can be, they'll be at the finishing line for for one of my events and Aww. I'll always, um, Claire, my wife drove me to the marathon yesterday, um, my daughter, Emma, the other daughter who was going to run in the 10K, but she's been, she's in the middle of a rowing season. And so she's really tired. So she didn't, she yeah. didn't do it, but she was at the finishing line for me. And so they are, they are incredibly supportive. And, and I think they looked at my Run Lara run as something that was, you know, pretty important to me and they did yeah. whatever they could to support me. And so I valued that. I want to be honest though, my, my mum and my dad who dad, dad died five years ago and Mm -hmm. um, mum's still alive. She ran me today, actually, to find out how the marathon went, but she, she doesn't like me running and she spends most of our conversations telling me I'm too old, that I'm going to ruin my hips. I'm going to ruin my knees. And surely that's your last one, Andrew. Surely that's It's like my mother. So you get it too?
0: Yeah. My mother's an art therapist. She's always asking me, what am I running away from?
1: (laughs) Ah, good call. Good call. I haven't been asked that. It's
0: a therapist question. I get it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, I get that. I haven't been asked that, but I'm. I'm always told that I shouldn't. And my dad died. He had cancer, and so we had a period where he was in bed, and we had mm. a chance to sort of have those those last conversations. And I'm pretty sure in my memory, one of his last conversations was stop running. And oh. I'm sort of defiantly ignoring him at the moment Aww. and and mum who keeps ringing and saying you know how did you go she's secretly sort of proud that i do it yeah. she puts up photos sometimes on instagram of me doing the marathon but but Aww. then the next time she'll she'll tell all her friends that i wish andrew would stop ring because you know look at his look at his age and you know he's going to end up with orthopedic surgery and all that stuff Aww. so yeah look I, it's mixed feelings but i, I think in the end Michelle, we run for ourselves. We do yeah. hope to inspire people, but you know, whatever support we get, and I've had great support throughout from my family. I don't, I don't think that's the be-all and end-all. The, no. the important point is that we're out there doing it for us, and and sometimes, you know, we have our own activities in a family, and this is just mine.
0: Do you ever think it's selfish?
1: Yes, yes, I do. Yeah. Not uh, that that's
0: a good or a bad thing. Good. I just, it's just a
1: thing. No, I do, but I but I also think that sometimes we need selfish behavior. We need time yeah. out from our, yeah. our jobs and, and and our families and our spouses, yeah. you know. Claire and I, we get on very well, but we like mm-hmm. to have time away from each other. And yeah. so I think I think that is um something that I can see as selfish. And you know, I can see it in the looks of looks in the eyes sometimes that from family members and not not necessarily just in my house, but like I say, my mum or, or my brother or something, they might think, you know. Well, why, why isn't he actually doing something more valuable for society than out running every day? You know, and and so it makes me think, am I being selfish? And sure, there is a line between too much self-interest and, and enough just to keep you happy. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably pushing that this year. This year, I've had a, a lot of running. I probably have pushed it a bit hard. And so sometimes I do feel like I'm being selfish. So uh, I'm glad you asked that. I don't know what the answer though is and, and it's it,
0: it's interesting because there's a few things that come to bubble to the top of my mind you know one being that we're all actually on a journey our life and even though we choose to do it often with other people it's still just our like nobody else can live our life does that make sense so it is our journey uh, whether we choose to have other people in in it or not is just um and selfishness itself is it's a it's a word that was made up by <laughs> people who make words a long time ago <laughs> and a, a concept that was, you know, been attributed certain negative things in our culture but that it doesn't necessarily mean it is. One of the people that I, I interviewed, I trying to remember his name. He runs um, a lot of the Sri Chumni. I don't know if you've heard of Sri Chumni. Yeah. So he does a lot of that and his running's more about um, trying to, um, the transformation that running um, occurs. And we talked about um, selfishness and he had some great things to, and I really wish I could remember exactly what it was, but he had some really good things to say about um, why we shouldn't feel self like that. It's a selfish thing at all. Um, and in some ways, the things we said prior to talking about selfishness are why, because it is lifting the spirit of the the community. It's lifting the, you know, if just from a very, a level of the medical like uh, work that you do, we if more people did what we do and if we could encourage more people to do it, then maybe the hospitals would be less full of people who are unwell, for example. So, um, you know, there's, there's lots of ways to look at it. Um, and yeah, (laughs) we all have to deal with it in our own head though, how, how we want to think of it.
1: The the spiritual side of it though is important, I think, Michelle, and I think I've certainly read books and listened to other people's podcasts about Endurance exercise and and mm. they've talked about this sort of spiritual transformation mm. they develop. You know, they feel like they're in a pain cave at yep. the time when running is getting really hard, and and they they like to do or they've noticed things within that pain cave that have developed them as a spiritual person. And and I I love hearing about that. And I'll be be honest that I sometimes. Wonder when that's going to happen for me? It hasn't so far. I I probably haven't pushed myself hard enough. But I I when I first did the sixty k run, which was the you know the first one I did that was longer than a marathon, I I remember hurting and I remember yeah. thinking, how am I going to get to the to the next post? And all I've got to do yeah. is go post, you know, side of the road post from post to post. That's how I've got to do it. And that was a sort of slight spiritual moment. But this this sort of um, I don't know, I can't describe it because I haven't had it, but I've heard yeah. many other people talk about this spiritual enhancement or evolution that happens. And so part of me wants to keep doing something longer so that I can see if that might be something that happens. Now that might be seen as selfish to be attracted to try and find it. But mm-hmm. if you are to develop spiritually from an exercise, that's not selfish at all, is it? Because you're likely to then be a better human being to, exactly. to help the people around you. For sure.
0: Yeah it's quite fascinating actually some of the the philosophies around all of that even um Pat farmer he was the first person on the podcast I've had him on the podcast and he talked about the reason he likes doing these really long distances is because they it really breaks you down and then builds you back up again by the time you finish so and it's yep. it's kind of what you were saying before you know when it gets to a point that it is actually really tough how do you it's that getting past that tough to whatever that next bit is that's the building up a bit building up bit that, that you learn even more about yourself from and how you can be mm. a better human in today's world. So anyway,
1: it's very well, and, and for me, <laughs> it is philosophical, but it's important. I, I think there's no doubt that I'm a better doctor because I run. Mm-hmm. And I, as you said before, if, if I'm to inspire my patients to be mm. more healthy, then surely the running doctor can do that i don't really get a chance to do that because most of my patients in the intensive care are, are very unwell. sick and are yeah. often unconscious and often mm-hmm. not able to even know who their doctor was but but know family sometimes <laughs> m- might see and you know you n- you never know so but yeah. but my point is I, I think i'm better at the coal face of clinical medicine talking to patients oh. talking to their families talking to my colleagues if i if i'm currently running i think yeah. that matters and so it's yeah bit- there's a lot to this stuff
0: being the better, the the best people that we can be, like like that's my journey, like to be the best person, best version of me that I can be, and if that means um I can all, I all have to go out running quite regularly, and for me that's every day at the moment, <laughs> then so be it, um yeah, so we'll see how that works. that's no, it's a good
1: description <laughs> I, on my on my podcast, the Mastery Intensive Care. It's called. I talk about how it's. Bringing our best selves to work. And and so I think that the things we do in self-care, it's the same. It's just a different phrase, different wording in the same phrase, really. But but what we do with our sleep and our running, our exercise and our nutrition and our other self-care activities, mindfulness practice, all those things helps us bring our best selves to work as far as I mm-hmm. can tell. And so I do think it, I do think it matters. So mm-hmm. I, I hope that, you know, by being a runner and, you know, podcasting about this myself that then hopefully more doctors and nurses that work in the intensive care at least will will be out running mm-hmm. and that's going to be valuable for them too.
0: In an ideal Having world. Having said that, I, just don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think... Sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah. But but I was I was no I was just about to say, having said that, if someone doesn't like running and they prefer swimming, for example, or if they prefer to just play lacrosse or some other organized sport, that that's fine too. But Mm. let's hopefully be out using our bodies as much as we can.
0: Mm. Yeah, totally. Um on a more practical level, are there days when it's very hard for you to get out the door? And how do you get yourself out the door on those days? So you know, especially if you're training for something you know that or well, as you said, it's a, a day off. If you don't go running today, you won't be out of tomorrow because you've, you've got work or whatever. How do you push yourself out the door on those days when it's you're not that keen?
1: I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't struggled with that issue I, well, uh, in the last five or six years. Really, since the pandemic. The pandemic. Yeah. I found. You know, we all got locked down in Victoria more more than many other it parts did. of Australia, as we t- we like to boast about. I, you I know you <laughs> would, would have had a lot of lockdown too. But 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 I think that was so important to me to get out the door, run to the beach, have a swim. I was out for an hour. Did I was in my five kilometre radius, and to do that every day, really made me realize how special and important it was. So mm. I I don't struggle to gather the, the door, but I do struggle with my schedule, Michelle, because okay. the way intensive care medicine works, I will do a stretch of four full days in a row where I'm on for the, for the intensive care. Mm. So I, I come at, we start at 8.30 in the morning. We probably finish around 6, 6.30 at night, but we're on call overnight. I go, I stay at a hotel near my workplace. And so by the time I get back to the room, have some dinner, get to sleep in time to get up in the morning, I'll probably won't be excited about doing a run in the morning before yeah. work uh yeah. and so i'll often go for those four days and i might get one jog in and okay. sometimes i won't get any jog, jogs in so the uh, and i don't mind about that because it's only four days and then mm-hmm. the next week i might have the week off so it's not the end of the world but i know therefore that when the four days are over i I've, i can now run so mm. uh, i sort of make up i make up for it then and i can't wait to get out to 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 do it. It's not great when you're following some training program. I did follow yeah, a training I was just program. I <laughs> run there And when, when it says, you know, do 15Ks on Tuesday and I'm in the ICU all day, it's pretty hard to do that, but, but uh, yeah, you just got to be flexible and and, and mm-hmm. it ended up working out. Work around it.
0: No, that's interesting. Um, Is there anything about running that you really want to talk about that we haven't touched on in our, you know, little weaving of conversation that we've managed to have today?
1: the the only thing that i i thought would be interesting to say before we started was to to sort of i i find i get a bit of pushback on this thinking but when i talk to people about the fact that our ancestors were massive runners mm-hmm. then it makes me think that we should all be out running mm-hmm. um and i do get pushback on it but the books Why? like born to run talk talk us talk to us about how there's this thing they did called persistence hunting when yeah. you know they to get to uh, hunter-gatherer ancestors, when they needed food, they yeah. knew they couldn't out-sprint the beast, but yeah. they knew that if they just hung around, for up, you know, they, they talk about them running for something like eight or nine hours, mm. you know, in bits and pieces, like a trail run more than a marathon. They'd be, you know, walking for a bit, then running for a bit, yeah. you know, watching where the be- which tree the beast was hiding behind. And then eventually they'd go in with the, for the kill and they'd tire the thing out before so, so, so significantly that therefore they could kill it. And then they got a, a, a feast mm-hmm. out of that beast for the next, you know three weeks oh, or however long, long it took mm-hmm. to eat it. And 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 I'm not a meat eater, actually, so that sort of stuff sometimes <laughs> doesn't sound good to me. But but I realize how important survival is and still is. And so I, I like to try, try to remind people that our ancestors did this. And so our DNA is impregnated with that. It's and how much has it changed? The abil- not much. not it it, of, Not at it. all. Like, that's not, right. Not at all. It's only like 2000 years we've been Mm. living in houses, isn't it? You know, and and so that same DNA is happening. And so we should be out. And so I say to people, and and, I'd like to say to people, if I, if I get the opportunity that if, if you don't run and you think you can't run, that's probably wrong because Mm. our bodies have the genetic material and the physical prowess. Yeah. To go and run now, you won't be able to run a marathon tomorrow. No, no, you know, mm-hmm. you have to train for for something that's longer than probably five k's. But but it means that anybody can run. And uh-huh. so those people that kid themselves or talk themselves out of the fact that they're a runner because they never liked it at school, they they mm-hmm. actually got to do cross country, unlike me. But they didn't like it because it was yeah. hard work. And you know, they, they actually can do it. And with a bit of will, if they want to do it, I'm not saying everyone should run, but mm-hmm. if they want to run, just go out and start something set set yourself a goal with a with an event you know it doesn't you don't have to sign up straight away but you could say you know in 6 months I'm going to do a 5k and You'd be able to do it. I, I watched my wife try this. She she went and did a course on on how to run uh, about ten years ago because she she didn't really love it. She she yeah. doesn't like running. She still she she hasn't she hasn't kept it up as much as I probably thought she yeah. would after she did this course. But you know she learned how to run. She got did it with other people in a course, and you yeah. know she realized she could, and she ended up doing a 10k I think at the end of that. And and oh, I was yeah. very proud to see someone who 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 is the opposite of me identifies as a non runner actually be out running. So I think anyone can, and it doesn't mean we all want to run today, but I just like to think that we must remember our body has everything in it to be able to run. And so we, we should remember that.
0: Absolutely. I think um, I was listening to something the other day while I was running about how all of us who, who are around now and exactly what you were just saying, our ancestors All ran a lot. The run, the ones that didn't and weren't very good, they didn't survive, and their DNA didn't get passed on down to us. So the ones that did survive, who were the good runners, that actually got passed on down to us, all of us. And that's why one of the things to think about. Um, And as you said, that you know we were we're hunter gatherers, we either became food if we didn't run fast enough, or we didn't catch the food. But even um, even the the gathering of Fruit and vegetables, you know, we were nomadic. It, most of us were nomadic all those times ago. And that meant having to move quite long, long distances with the changes of seasons to get to places where there was food as well. So it, there's a lot to be said um, for that kind of lifestyle compared to the lifestyle that we have now. We've still got the bodies very similar, if not the same. You're probably better to talk to that than me from that 2000 odd years ago. Uh, and now we just sit around all day long and live in this little comfort bubbles. Most of us in the Western world, anyway. So, no wonder we get so sick and and uh, and fill up the hospitals yeah. because <laughs> because we've got a body that was supposed to move a lot, and uh, we live in a a life in a culture where we
1: don't. As a result, we get sick. And and then in the last. In the last fifty years, we've added convenience food, which is has really changed things even more. So yeah, yeah. no, it's it's a really good point that the fast runners or the people who ran are the yeah. the, the survivors. I I think that's yeah. that's so important. What I wonder though, Michelle, is and I don't know if you've got any thoughts about this that if the average um, age of what what do you call it? longevity in in past centuries in Mm -hmm. hunter gatherers was was probably only 35, 40 years. They didn't live long. I wonder if runners like you and me, who are older than that now, Mm -hmm. what, you know, the older people in those, those communities did, did the kids do all the running to get the beast, you know, to, to secure the food and let the, the older people like, like we would call our grandchildren these days grandparents, sorry, our grandparents, you know, did they let them have a day, you know, sitting in the cave waiting for the food to come back or were they still out running till the moment they died? I I don't know. And that's that's something that that I wonder about.
0: (laughs) To do some study. I know I also listened to something else recently. I'm terrible at recall sometimes. But um, the thought that we, as humans back then, died early. In some cases that was was true, but actually there's now... When they've dug up some people, like well, even further back, that they were living in, even up to their high, up into the hundreds, like up into the really? hundred, yeah. you know, over a hundred. So it's, we have this idea that that it was a really tough life, and that most people died in their thirties or forties, if if not earlier. But actually, there's some some study has now come out, some research to show that that hasn't always been in the case. And I don't know if that was just in pockets of, like I said, I'm not very good at the recall, but I thought, oh, that's interesting you know, <laughs> because I want to live to 100 like you uh, <laughs> at least. So the thoughts that our ancestors are in some shape or form were also living a lot longer than we had initially been told somehow um, was really good in my brain. <laughs> that means, yes, we are we'll able to do that also, which, of course, there's no reason why we can't
1: state. Well it makes sense. It makes sense, doesn't it? Because people do live to a hundred now. So oh, they do. We've mm. always had that we've always had the ability to do as humans. Mm. I suppose as you just said before, the lifestyle of the nomadic hunt together was much mm. more uh you know focused on things that would keep them alive than than yeah. more modern lifestyles, aren't they? Yeah. They were eating, now, maybe maybe they they starved more often, but but they were eating more healthy foods, and yeah. they were moving all the time. So I suppose the best people, the best people that that survived the the um, predators, would mm-hmm. have still lived a long time, wouldn't
0: they? And then they became our ancestors, just yeah,
1: like that. Hand, handed us the ability to go and run marathons and ultra marathons and trail races. Thank, I just wish thanks. Thanks to was, them.
0: I wish it was like um like brushing your teeth was taught at school. <laughs> That it was, you know, in that running is just, and mindfulness, uh, because I believe they're um, intrinsically connected, certainly can be, be very useful for you. When you go through times in your life, when you need to tap into, you know, something that is um, going to help when it comes to our racing minds. Um, I wish that was taught in a way that it just became second nature. For everyone because it is so readily available and so easy to tap into. As I said before, we don't have to go to the shop and buy it. It's just there.
1: Well, I'll just to add to that. I wonder if it's actually not that it's not taught. It's just that it, we're taken away, that the ability is taken away. You walk, you know, you know with yeah, school true. kids, you walk into a primary, primary school playground, every kid is running. And yeah. I, remember well when I'd walk into this house to at home at the end of the day when my kids were cool. you know in their single figure age age numbers they would run to the door to say hello they didn't walk yeah. they ran every time so I think it's taken out of us and I'm, I'm not yeah. sure where the moment is that we stop believing we should be able to run I have vivid memories of being like a six-year-old at, at, at a holiday house my grandfather had and we, oh, there was this grassy area outside the, the back door and I would literally pretend I was a motorbike running up and down the grass and I, I, I don't know if I did this or ten times or a hundred times, but I can still remember the enjoyment of running up. I was slightly on a hill, and so yeah. I'd run up, I'd run down, I'd go into different gears, and I just loved that. And so I think we we were we always loved. I think most kids do enjoy running. Yeah, that's true. Uh, because but they don't see it as an activity. They just the do fun. It. And that's mm. that's probably the difference. Yeah.
0: So I can. Um, we've got some a trail run near town here, and um, they've got some mountain bike burns in there. So it's a, a, on a mountain bike track that we go on sometimes. And for me, sticking my arms out as a, um, whatever I am, 54, um, like a plane and going around the burn, ber- <laughs> it's like that. I just giggle. like. And I think we lost, we lose that. There is something that happens. I don't know if it's responsibility that happens as you become an adult from a child or something um, and in our culture that we, you know, you st- stop being so childish or stop, you know, whatever. We lose a lot of that that childlike um, behaviours and maybe that's what we need a bit more of as well then so that you can, re- you know, tap back into what was it about running that that you enjoyed, you know, and it was, you know, that movement, that free movement that you feel
1: Um which you that's tap such, into. Such a, no, that's such a good thing to say. I, I remember recently watching the Elliot Kipchoge a documentary. I can't remember the exact name of it. And it's, it's basically when he did that two hour, sub two hour marathon yeah. where he had all the paces and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's into, he's, he's amazing guy. I just love listening to everything, anything that comes out of Elliot Kipchoge's mouth. And I'm, I'm hoping he'll win the, the next uh, Olympics, the Paris one and be the first first runner to win three uh, Olympic gold marathons, but, but he, he talked about how he smiles every time he's feeling a bit down during the race, he smiles. And if you Mm -hmm. watch footage of him running, he's often smiling. And I thought about that yesterday when I was running my marathon and I was starting to hurt every time I started to hurt, I thought smile. And I tell you, I think it helped. I honestly believe it helped. Maybe it's placebo effect. Maybe it's not, but, but, but it helped me. And I think we should see it as fun. Not just pretend smile, real smile. Enjoy I'm here running. How good is this? That, that's, a, that's also a very mindful
0: activity to do. There's a yes. The mindful book I was listening to this morning actually mentioned that, which is interesting that you that <laughs> you mentioned it. That um, it, it, the putting a smile on your face. It's very hard to stay feeling as down as you were if you were having a down moment. Um, whether you're running or whatever you're doing, um, you can really affect your state by. And again, it's the same with thoughts because you put a smile on your face, you're changing state, it changes your thoughts, and then it changes whatever signals your body's sending to you about pain. So it's all very, like we just know when I'm talking to medical people, it always interests me because I know you guys know so much about the body and yet there is so much we don't know. Like the whole connection between what's going on in the brain and what's going on in our body. We just, we don't know. And we're we're learning things almost every day with neuroscience and blah, blah, blah. I don't even know all the terminology because I'm not a medical person. But well, I listen to stuff, and keep talking about all this stuff, they're just discovering about these connections and, you know, the mind-body connection. I just find it fascinating. It's
1: like I this hope body you haven't talked was... to too many doctors. No. Sorry, sorry. I was going to say I hope you haven't spoken to too many doctors that think they know it all because the longer I've been, oh, a doctor, no. the more, the more <laughs> no. I realise we know nothing. We I honestly know nothing.
0: Think that they know nothing. They just know you just all know more than I do about anatomy probably (laughs) that's all (laughs) i i just find it fascinating
1: anyway no it is it is we've we've got amazing bodies that can do amazing things and the fact that there are people who can run every day around the world there's a guy I don't know if you're following him. A guy called Tim Franklin, a, an Australian who's running around the world at the moment. He's running, you know, 60 kilometers a day. He's going to do what? Do 450 days to to do it, and he can just back up every day. He looks tired, and he's uh, he's on Instagram. He's posting about this, uh, and it's it's hard work. But you know, our bodies, not everyone's body, but in general, the human body can achieve these feats if it puts its mind to it and its activities to it. And so I I think. You know, we are. We are amazing bodies. So we That's must incredible. make use of what we've got. I love it. love it.
0: All right. I've kept it you forever. We could stay talking about these things forever um, and digging deep into them. <laughs> Before I go, I did want to ask, where do you think that you would be in your life had you not got addicted to running in the last 10 years and stayed addicted to it? Terrible word to use, I know. It's a bit
1: of. No, 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 no. I think you're you're asking a very good question. It's a bit of a hypothetical, isn't it? To know what what I I would be like, but I, I know what I was like before I started this latest 10 year burst of running and I was slightly overweight. I did have a lot of anxiety and I chose some bad behaviors at the time that didn't work well for me in my job. I was eating poorly. I, you know, I was drinking too much. Um, I didn't drink massive amounts of alcohol, but yeah. I, w- I would have a glass of wine, you know, four or five nights a week. and yep. and i I don't know that it was a lifestyle that was was going to give me a long life, yep. let alone uh, prevent the diseases that that I know are mm. ahead of. Most of us, if we're not careful, you yeah. know, heart disease, cancer, all the, the not no, diabetes, all the normal things are very lifestyle related. You know, we mm. now know that then they've got genetic elements to them, but they're also very lifestyle uh, factors that yeah. cause it. So I, I think, I think I would probably end up with, you know one of those diseases if I I wasn't running. And so I'm, I'm glad that I realized that this was important. I I'm lucky enough that I'm, that I am healthy. I do, I do have one condition. I have celiac disease, so I can't eat gluten containing products, but that, that was, that was fixable as soon as.
0: is gluten intolerant. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a pain. It's a, it's a bit of a pain in the bum, but, and I developed it during the last five years. So it's only fairly new. But, but, but uh, you know, and I actually lost a a fair bit of weight as I was, as I was training more weight than I should have, which is why I picked it up. I started getting low hemoglobin and low um, iron counts. And so that's how it's found out. But, but that's a disease that's manageable with diet. So otherwise I don't, I don't have any, my heart condition from, was fixed when I was 18. So I don't have any diseases. And uh, I think that that if I wasn't running, I'm more likely to develop something in my late 50s and early 60s. And, and, you know, my dad died of heart disease. I know he, he had, you know, blockages in his coronary arteries. And so I know it's in my family, my genes. Yeah. Uh, so I do have to be careful about that. So I, I honestly think that running gives me the chance to live longer and, and be healthier. And and to come back to what your podcast is about, I feel like a better human being from a mind point of view. My my yeah. mind is better because I run. And I'm not just saying that because it's your podcast. I truly believe that. I Thank think you. <laughs> you know, when we run, our, our minds are, are so much better.
0: Yeah. No, I, there's nobody who's come on and said, um, well, one of the ways people phrase it if they don't have other terminology for it is there's not a run that I've finished, even if whether I wanted to do it or I didn't want to do it, that I wasn't glad I did it. You know, there's that because some people, mm. you know, sometimes they didn't want to go for a run, but when they did, you know, they were always happy that they did. So I thought it was always a good way to put it. Um, Andrew, if somebody comes up to you and says, I really would like to start running, what would you suggest to them?
1: I'd probably give them the spiel I said before about how our ancestors, you know, gave us yeah. the genes and the bodies to be able to run. So yes, go ahead. And I'd say probably just set yourself a goal of a race. An event. Sorry, a race is yeah, a bad word yeah. for it. An event. Yeah. A fun run of some description. Something that's raising money maybe. Uh and you know, there's so many events in my town, I'm sure in most towns there's, there's yeah. but that runs every week. There's the park run uh, phenomenon that that's mm-hmm. in, it, in pretty well every city in the world, isn't it? So there's always an event you don't have to pay necessarily for them, but I would just say, you know, lock in the date that you see an event. Don't sign up necessarily today. You could sign yeah. up. That's a good way to make sure you do it, but no you bad. don't have to sign up straight away and, and, and then just, yeah, take, take the first step and you don't have to do it all in one. You just mm-hmm. take it slowly. You might, which I when I did my first marathon. Uh, I did the walk run technique, you know, where yeah. you would, uh, you know, mm-hmm. run for, run for four minutes and then walk for a, a minute. Just, you know, n- maybe I didn't do that for the average run, but for my long runs I did. Mm-hmm. And so I learned that if you walked just for a minute it wasn't the end of the world you could then start running again so yeah. use the walk run technique to to be able to develop your skills and your um ability your endurance yeah. and and uh, i think that's all you got to do and mm-hmm. you know probably have someone who's doing it with you so that you've got a uh the community aspect but also yeah. the accountability aspect if you've got a friend who's going to run with you, you you won't let them down you may not train with them every time but you want to be there on the day of the event so so you're going to probably do the work so that's what i'd say
0: Yeah. I love it. They're great tips. Thank you. It really has been a delight to have a conversation with you. Hopefully we'll have many more in the future. So don't jump off straight away, but a big thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with us, Andrew.
1: Thanks so much, Michelle. You're doing a great job with this podcast. I I really think it's great to listen to as a runner myself. And I hope you're also inspiring people that are not runners to, to get out there. So well done. Keep it up.
0: Thank you. I'll put your podcast in the show notes too for those who might be in the medical profession who want to listen to that. Thanks. That'd be great. Thank you for listening to the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. I'd love to talk to you about your running journey. Send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it. I also wanted to let you know that I've created an email list so you won't miss any podcast episodes. You'll find details in the show notes and on the Fit Mind Fit Body website, along with a bunch of resources on mindful running. They'll help you to get and stay mentally and physically fit. And I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running and ultimately to improve their life. See you soon.